0: Welcome to Metal Injections, the Squared Circle Pit. Today's special guest, Mater James Keenan. And now, here's your host, Rob Pazbani. Thank you, as always, for checking out the Squared Circle Pit. I'm your host, Rob Pazbani. Of course, you can always find me on Twitter, at Rob Injection. And Squared Circle Pit is also on Twitter, at Squared Circle Pit. No E in circle. Posts a lot of wrestling stuff throughout the week. It's a very interesting week in the world of pro wrestling. By the time you listen to this, TNA, Impact Wrestling, might either be doing their annual big pay-per-view, Bound for Glory, or they might be completely out of business and WWE might have bought their tape library. That's what's happening this week with Impact Wrestling. I have to say it's kind of a bummer. I really do hope that uh, Billy Corgan figures things out financially and is able to keep the company going. Simply because, you know, I personally haven't really watched Impact Wrestling in a few years. I've I've given up on it. But ultimately, you know, it has it has a good fan base. People still enjoy it, and it provides jobs to pro wrestlers. So. If you're the type of person that's rooting for TNA to go out of business, I kind of feel like you're a terrible person because these people have jobs, have careers, and, you know, to ho- hope for that to go away is kind of shitty. And the more wrestling there is, the better. That's, that's my opinion on it. And, and you know, I, I will be checking out Bound for Lori if it goes down, if they're able to secure the finances. It seems like it can go either way right now, so who knows? Uh, And I've been watching a lot of New Japan. They've been doing their destruction shows. It's been really fun to watch these shows. And I'm looking forward. They have a big show. I believe it's called King of Wrestling in in a few weeks for New Japan. New Japan is on fire right now. So many great wrestlers. So many great feuds going on. And uh, I think my favorite wrestler in New Japan right now. Let me think about this. But I really feel it's Shibata. Which is kind of crazy because Shibata just announced he had a, a crazy spine injury so he's only really has one match scheduled, and that's against Kyle O'Reilly, which I'm looking forward to for his never-open-weight title. And it kind of looks like uh, he might be dropping the title to O'Reilly and taking a little break. So hopefully everything's okay with Shibata. And, of course, on the WWE front, Clash of Champions was this week. And it was the least eventful pay-per-view I in recent memory. It was just there. I'm not saying it was bad. There was... Some decent action. I enjoyed the Cruiserweight match. The sheamus Cesaro match was pretty good. Uh, the main event was all right, but it would, there was just nothing happened. And still, they're dragging out this Triple H story another week. And obviously, they weren't going to cover it on this week's episode of Raw since it was going up against the debate. And it ended up being the lowest rated Raw in like 20 years or something like that because everyone just tuned out for the debate. So hopefully next week, Triple E, you know, they really this main event angle on Raw is just being strung along and, and I'm, I'm very much losing interest. And I feel like Raw in general is kind of all over the place now in terms of their storylines. I feel SmackDown has a much better structure and it's much easier to watch SmackDown now ever since the, the brand split, I feel, than it is to watch Raw. And so... I'm really enjoying the main event feud on SmackDown. I like that Dean Ambrose is talking all this shit about John Cena. And AJ Styles is doing great work. And the tag team division is really good on SmackDown. I'm loving the Usos as heels. Uh, American Alpha are doing good. There's a lot of fun stuff on SmackDown. On Raw, what I'm enjoying at the moment, I guess, really, is just the cruiserweights. Although, I kind of don't get, like, how they... I'm trying to understand why they're doing all this branding where... The ropes are purple. You know they, they change all the lighting in the arena. Like, why are they trying to separate it so much? It kind of it, it, it's a little. It's kind of cool, but at the same time, I, I wish it was more integrated into the show as opposed to kind of a show within a show. Uh, I do like what Charlotte is doing right now on, on WWE. I think she's killing it with her promos and she's really grasping her character. And I look forward to her big match with Sasha. I believe it's going to be next week on Raw. I hope they don't do the title change on Raw. I hope they save it for the pay-per-view, though. Hell in the cell in a few weeks. But that's just my opinion. And uh, other than that, let's see what else. I guess that's really uh, all that's happening in the world of pro wrestling at the moment. And today's special guest, let's talk about today's guest. Uh, somebody that I never thought I would have on the Squared Circle Pit. He is the front man of Pussifer. He's the front man of Perfect Circle. Front man of Tool. Maynard James Keenan. Now Maynard, I didn't even realize was a pro wrestling fan, but he's been getting into uh, the Lucha stuff ever since moving to Arizona, he said. It seems like I'm a much bigger nerd about pro wrestling than Maynard is. And, you know, it was, I tried very hard not to come off as much of a nerd. So I'm truly interested in what you think of this interview. So we talked a little bit also about his autobiography, about his, uh, about his growing up, And uh, I'm genuinely, genuinely interested. Please let me know what you think of this interview. You could either email me, rob at metalinjection.net or hate mail at metalinjection.net or hit me up on Twitter at robinjection at squaredcirclepit, no E in circle, or on Facebook. Just look up the Squared Circle Pit Facebook page. All right, enough yapping from this guy. Let's talk to Maynard. Now entering the Squared Circle Pit, we have a musician, a winemaker, And an auteur, Uh, I have Maynard James Keenan Uh, with me. Maynard, thank you so much for doing the Squared Circle Pit. No no problem. I want to quickly mention that Maynard's book, A Perfect Union of Contrary Things, is going to be out on November 8th. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of uh, interesting tidbits in there. Now, uh, uh, you know, this podcast in specific is all about pro wrestling, and I was honestly a little surprised... To learn that you were into pro wrestling until I saw that you did some amateur wrestling in high school. Is that, is that accurate? Uh,
1: well, yeah. Uh, high school wrestling. Uh, yeah.
0: And, yes. uh, so I, I was curious. Like, when did you get it, When did you get into pro wrestling? What was your first exposure to that?
1: Uh, well, just the the, the lucha libre um mm-hmm. uh, element uh, or that flavor of of pro wrestling is. Uh, very prominent here in the Southwest, uh, so close to Mexico. So that's been my initial my initial interest in it is just uh, a regional flavor.
0: Mm-hmm. So you first got into it when you like uh, moved to L.A.? Is that kind of the... A... No, in Arizona. Oh, in Arizona. I see. Yeah. So uh, so is that what you're into, like more of the Lucha Libre stuff, like the AAA? Uh, yeah, that's,
1: that's the stuff that I've been most exposed to. Um, and that's, of course, they're all very... They all have their own, uh, uh, their own flavor, but uh, just the acrobatics attached to it are just, um, <laughs> just very inspiring.
0: Yeah, uh, it, it definitely. Do you have too much like a specific promotion or?
1: Uh, no, just the local, the local stuff here, which is always, you know, it's, there's always uh, guys that are traveling, um, bringing their stories with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's most of the local stuff. I see.
0: Yeah, and I noticed that uh, on the last Pussifer tour, it was kind of like the vibe was like a lucha libre show.
1: Yeah, the whole of the, our stage has a big ring in it.
0: Yeah, and
1: sitting in front.
0: And you were you're wearing, a, I believe, a Rey Mysterio mask. Mm-hmm. And then there was a lot of masks going on. Mm-hmm. Now, how did putting that show come together? How did you get, you know, getting a ring? I'm sure traveling with a ring is no easy feat, and the wrestlers and all that.
1: Uh, well, you know, we just, we knew a few people that were involved. Um, we had actually done, uh, a video, uh, so on kind of separate events in a way that kind of collided, a little coincidence where once, you know, my manager, manager side of things knew some guys who do, did the, uh, the Lucha Libre school, they have a, a wrestling school down in Southern California. And it just coincidentally happened to be the school that we actually filmed some of the video at from mm-hmm. a whole another set of people. Uh, so they kind of all collided at once. And then we were looking to film some bits for the tour. And the guys who run the school said, well, let's just come out on the road. I'm like, okay. <laughs> that works.
0: Yeah, and it was cool seeing a few, you know, there was like some exhibition Lucha Libre before. Christopher came on and it's a cool way to get the crowd going. What was the response from your audience to that stuff? Were they, were they popping for it? Uh,
1: you know, mixed, mixed reaction. Of course you have (laughs) people with their mouths hanging open going, what the hell's going on right now? Mm -hmm. Uh, And the other people that are, you know, excited because they've never actually seen something like that at a, at a supposed rock show.
0: Yeah and the the video you were talking about is the, the money shot video in case anybody wants to uh, go back and take a look at it and I think lucha libre is one of the most exciting forms of pro wrestling just because it's so like you said it's so acrobatic and you know even if you don't know anything you know you don't need any storylines because it's really just about the athleticism.
1: Yeah it's fantastic uh you know jumping jumping back flips from the top rope <laughs> It's just great. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I'm all for it. And uh, so, have you watched, you know, like the more mainstream stuff, like WWE? Have you ever uh, tried to get into On occasion,
1: that um, I had a couple friends that are that are uh, avid fans, and so of course that that always seeps over. So, of course, I always immediately uh, I can see how the the show. Is as important as the actual acrobatics in the in the WWE. So it's very, it's very important for them to have the the high drama. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's you know, it in a way it's it's a much more you know when you're when you were a kid and you had your mom or your aunt all caught up in soap operas on TV. This is a much better. <laughs> you wish your mom was watching this instead because it's still the high drama, but it's. There's
0: actually some blood. Well, uh, WWE kind of, uh, they kind of, they're trying to not have blood, even though, I don't know if you saw SummerSlam, it ended with Brock Lesnar just giving hard elbows to his opponent, Randy Orton, and there was like a puddle of blood in the ring, which is not, which was kind of weird for them, because... They're they're all serious about concussions now and avoiding concussions. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, well, but... I remember back when I was living in Ohio years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, this would have been I'm trying to think of what this one. This would have been. I'm guessing early '70s when uh, mid '70s when uh, Igor was one of the big names on the on the pro wrestling tour, and it was right around the same time as you know the the original Glow were. Their circuits as well. So, in the same gymnasium back in Ohio, I saw some of the earliest incarnations of the, of the wrestling um, tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, I would have to Google a bunch of those names to see who they all were. But, I mean, that was a. That was a I, I would imagine that would be pretty much the, one of the beginnings of all that, right? 1975?
0: Uh, that, um, that is kind of when WWF WW, at the time started trying to be a little more as they say, getting out of the smoky halls and into the arenas. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but then, the, but wrestling, the big gymnasium is pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. wrestling has, has existed, though, for, you know, they'll say since Greek times, but, you know, the modern version of it since even the, the, early, ni- uh, the early 1900s, I should say. Okay. Yeah. And uh, what's crazy is everyone always knew that it was staged. I, I, I was recently reading a book about where they pulled out, like, pull quotes from The New Yorker about a wrestling event. Uh, in the early ninety, uh, early 1900s, I keep saying early 90s, but uh, and everyone always knew that it, it was just a show, right? Uh, and like d- w- when I'm, I'm assuming at one point you realized it was just a show as well. Did that kind of deter you from
1: interest? No, no, not at all. I mean, even as a kid, I recognized that this was a show. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you, you know, when you sign on for, you know, when you play Monopoly, you these aren't actual properties. You're just signing on for the game.
0: Right,
1: exactly. Yeah, you you dig like, in and you try to get park place, right? <laughs> yeah, it's so that's what that's what realm. I recognize even as a kid watching this. Because even back then, I was actually in in uh, in uh, junior high or elementary school wrestling. So you know, when you're when you're going up against a kid who's got more experience than you and you're getting you're getting tossed on your butt um, with the with the high school wrestling, even knowing what that was, it didn't it didn't ruin my love for the show.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The show was really incredible. I you know, recognized it as being a show. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was great.
0: Did you watch when you were in high school? Like, did you fraternize with, with your teammates, and would you watch wrestling, or was it kind of? No, at on?
1: that point we were more. You know, it, you know, in my in my high school era, that was there was that separation of that's not real. This is real. You know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you know, take a chair on the ba- on your back and see if that feels fake.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Like even I, I feel like the the term fake is so antiquated because it's, it's more choreographed than it is fake. There's nothing yeah. fake about falling.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Grandma wouldn't last a, a minute in the ring. Because, you
0: know. <laughs> she might cut a cut a mean interview though. I feel Yeah. Like.
1: Fall. Yeah. Falling is falling. You know.
0: Yeah. And, and, and I mean, you know, you do training with the the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Now, which I think is kind of cool, and I have a bunch of friends that do that as well. And I feel like there's a lot more martial arts coming into wrestling now, and I feel there's a lot of crossover.
1: Uh, oh, absolutely! I see it. I absolutely see it.
0: What, what do you, you think? See it
1: in, you see it in films now, even like all of a sudden, you know, back in the Jean-Claude Van Damme era of martial art films, it was all kickboxing and those kind of things, and karate and kung fu, and now you see. In the more in the last ten years, there's arm bars and chokes and all those kind of things.
0: Yeah, uh, and I was I was curious. Like one of the things I was wondering, like if you did, have you ever considered, like if you were if you didn't go into music and you instead went to wrestling, like what your persona or your character would have been? Because I feel like you would, you, for, from what I get from your stage presence, you come off as more of a, a heel or a bad guy, and I feel you'd make a, a pretty good heel.
1: I would probably be the guy that you didn't see coming, mm-hmm. you know there there there's you always have in the lucha libre ring, you always have the two opponents and their team, whatever the, it's, but then you have that fifth person who's throwing a wrench in everything you didn't see coming. I would probably be the fifth guy
0: I see so you'd be the guy in the middle of the match who just runs in and ruins everything yes, yes. <laughs> uh and uh you know like going back to my thought that you would be heel. I vividly remember seeing uh, a concert. I believe it was a tool show, but it was like a, it was a Madison square garden. And the whole time you were, you were teasing the audience just being like, Oh, you guys are loud, but you know, Jersey was much louder. And and the crowd control that you had was phenomenal because like, while the crowd was like cheering, as soon as you mentioned Jersey, which to a New Yorker is like the, the ultimate enemy for some reason, like, they were just going nuts, and it was just great mic work, and I feel like, you know, if if this whole music thing doesn't work out for you, you could at least be a manager in pro wrestling. <laughs> wind them up. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's one of the, I feel that's kind of something that music and wrestling shares, in that you always want to wind up the audience, like the audience is a part of the show. Would you agree with that? Well, at
1: the end of the day, you're an entertainer, and if you can't entertain, you might as well get another job. Yeah.
0: That's very true, and so with the with the uh, the Lucha Libre, do you see integrating it more into the show, like with with future shows? Are you going to keep doing that sort of thing, or
1: uh, it yeah. all depends on where the storyline goes. I think uh, at some point we'd like to do a long, a longer, not a long film, but maybe like a, a short a short film, a thirty minute film that uh, integrates some of that. Some of that material along with uh any kind of future material we have coming
0: i see so it's kind of it's kind of now in the lore of pussifer and like you're, yeah. you're going to expand more on it
1: as a because pussifer is kind of rooted in the southwest so all the all the lore that comes around you know, comes along with the southwest is, is part of our story
0: i see and then like so like living in arizona you basically you can't ex- escape the lucha culture because it's just all over there right correct and have you watched actually uh, Lucha Underground? Have you have you seen any of that stuff? That's
1: I just I cool. uh, just downloaded on iTunes. There's the, the that new series, and I have not watched it yet. But I have it on my computer. I was okay. still ma- working my way to uh, Mr. Robot. Ah,
0: that I just I just finished watching uh, the yep. season finale of that. That was. Uh, but how, how far are you? I'm just curious. How far are you along with Mr. Robot?
1: I just finished it last night.
0: Oh, oh, it's the whole series. Yep. What, what do you think? What do you think of the the, the twist at the end? That,
1: uh, what's quite the, nice. Yeah, yeah.
0: I I feel that show is kind of like I'm always like, do they know where they're going? Like, is this is this really hap? Like, are they on top of it, or are they losing control? then they do something like, oh, they know exactly
1: what they're doing. Right. Well, it's a uh, it's um, and I think that's kind of the uh, case. you know, with uh, with wrestling too. You if you know where you're going. It's it's easier to uh, throw up red herrings and distract people from where you're going, and then and then surprise them, knowing full well where you're going.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I feel with uh, I think people really enjoy Lucha Underground because it's unlike any other wrestling show that I've ever seen because it really is kind of a soap opera. Like they fully embrace. The the cinematics of a soap opera, all of their, all of the stuff that isn't the wrestling is shot like a movie. There's a score and and there's really intricate, you know, supernatural plot lines with with all of these cool characters and they have great luchadors and and it's really the most fun wrestling show and the most unique wrestling show out there. I feel. Like. I agree. Do uh, you uh, now? With with uh, with WWE and stuff, I, I always feel like the thing that they're projecting is a very mainstream kind of thing. It's like you know it's for everybody. It's it's very inclusive. And, and with the lucha with the lucha underground, it's a little more under. Well, obviously the name underground is in it. It's it's for uh, perhaps a, a more intuned wrestling fan. Is that what kind of draws you into that, or like do you kind of shy away from more? Mainstream stuff?
1: Well, I just don't, you know, I'm not very much of a mainstream guy to begin with. Um, so, yeah, that's probably why I kind of respond more to the Lucha stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've been watching uh, in L.A. There's a company called PWG. And uh, I've been seeing uh, one of your bandmates in your other band, Tool. Adam Jones just sitting front and center at the last three or four shows. Uh, have you ever heard of that company or, or, or checked out any of that stuff?
1: I haven't checked it out at all. No. I probably should.
0: Yeah, it's it's a PWG, it's basically it's an indie, but they're kind of like a All-Star Fed cuz it's a very punk rock situation. They basically only do they do a show every two months out of this tiny like lodge in Reseda, California. There's about 300 people in. They don't, you know, the shows sell out in a minute and they could basically pay, play a venue five times bigger but they they just don't want to because of the whatever they figured out it works and they have wrestlers coming in from all different promotions from all over the world oh yeah
1: that, see, that's that's always the danger of any any project uh as soon as you think you're going to get bigger you get greedier it just adds a bunch of much more chaos to it and it's it's no fun you take the fun out finding finding there's a guy that's doing um uh brazilian jiu-jitsu a very aggressive version of the brazilian jiu-jitsu tournaments called fight to win pro and uh he's found that their sweet spot is between 1500 and 2000 people that's it it's perfect everybody makes money well the guys who win make money <laughs> um and uh you know it's it's a sustainable uh intense wonderful presentation if you got any bigger and you know it just ends up i think kind of killing the vibe
0: yeah, uh, I agree, and and I think there's something to keeping things kind of intimate, and it's interesting you say that. Is that sort of what inspired Pussifer? Was you trying to scale down, so to speak, and try to yeah,
1: because there's there's something there's something about theater settings, those large theater, medium sized theater settings that just present, they just end up being a um, a very unique. Uh, Way to present music when well, you, you can mean. actually add theatrics to it in a way that it's already you know the word theater yeah, it is <laughs> it's, it's theater um, when you start to get into arenas now you're kind of you're kind of jamming a show into a, a kind of a boring space and you're having to build the whole thing and um, which is fine if you're at that level uh, but I feel like um, something like Pussifer would lose something in an arena.
0: Mm-hmm. And for you, the sweet spot, it sounds like, is a theater. Like, you'd prefer the yeah. more intimate thing.
1: 2,500 seats, perfect.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, when you were touring with these luchadors, uh, you know, during Soundcheck or whatever, when they had the ring up, did you ever try to go in there and try to do some flips?
1: <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, I do. That's that was my perfect opportunity to train jiu-jitsu because we have the ring out. There's a dedicated space. I just throw mats down in the actual ring and train there.
0: I see. But no tope suicidas for Maynard. I'm 52, <laughs> so no. Yeah. yeah, completely understood. That's why I think you have a career as a manager. Uh, I, and so l- let's talk a little bit about the uh, autobiography. Uh, what, what inspired you to write a book about
1: yourself? Well, uh, I, was, I co-wrote it with um, uh, my prince, Sarah, who was the older sister of my friend from high school. And, uh, you know, turning 50, you tend to want to set up some kind of a milestone. So I feel like that's a, that's, you know, where, where'd you come from and where are you going? Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of know those. To know where you're going, you have to kind of know where you came from. So there's, it's a 50-year chronicle.
0: What was, I'm sure it was quite a trip going back and, like, going back 30 or 40 years to your childhood or whatever did you find yourself getting a new perspective on, on events that happened in your life when, when writing about it um,
1: yeah uh, perspectives confirmations all those things
0: how long did it take you to, to finish the whole thing uh, about a year and a half two years hmm. and I have to say like your 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 personal output in the last few years you've been Keeping very busy and, and you're you're always trying uh, new things which I, which I find very inspiring in that you know you started the winery and now you are know, doing the book and, and all the different stuff you're doing with Pussifer is kind of the idea like oh I want I want to try this and then you just go do it like how do you how do you set goals for yourself
1: well Pucifer was around in the mid 90s um, mm-hmm. around kind of the comedy club so uh, the only thing that was holding Pulsifer back was just technology because all the all the animation we wanted to do the film the short film bits um artwork back in the mid nineties people weren 't necessarily uh independent uh record deals mm-hmm. so we just couldn't i couldn 't really get Pulsifer going at that point um it took it took technology kind of catching up with it to really launch it so that 's why around. You know, 2005 is when I started really turning the heat up on it.
0: I see. So you always had this vision for it, but you just felt like it, you weren't able to pull it off until...
1: Yeah, I mean, back in the mid-90s, you wanted to do a, a video. with like a million-dollar budget. Right. Now you can it's do it on your phone.
0: It, it is pretty trippy that a phone has put so many other technologies yeah. into this one thing with the That's camera. So it all, or...
1: all it takes is ideas now. Yeah. just... Putting them together. If you have clever ideas and a clever approach, then you've got yourself a project. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and uh, going back to the the what I was saying earlier, uh, I forgot that I wanted to mention this too about how I feel like you would be a natural heel. I feel like uh, I mean this might not be a hundred percent accurate, but I feel like there's always a little tension between you and and fans of your work, in that you owe it you. You say certain things to. Uh, I'm trying to be nice, like not say something in a step, but like you, you'll kind of mock them the way a bad guy in wrestling mocks wrestling fans, and you call call people dumb or sheep or whatever. Is that kind of your way of, of engaging with the audience, or just you having fun?
1: I think we're all um, there's part of us all that's kind of lazy, and just to be able to call yourself out and say, you know, you can do better. We can all do better. Whatever it is you're doing, take another look at it. You can do better. Be conscious of where you are. Be conscious of what you're doing. Be conscious of the things around you. Situational awareness. um, And just be part of the solution rather than part of the problem. I think a lot of people end up being just kind of settling into part of the problem. So by just calling it out we're all better for it if uh people get mad at you for calling out saying that we can all do better uh then they're probably part of the problem
0: (laughs) i can't disagree and i kind of feel like this election cycle that we're currently in in a way is like a wrestling match and donald trump is the ultimate heel in like, uh, even going back to the uh, Republican debates last year when he was at, like, uh, Megyn Kelly was saying, you know, you said this about women, you said this about women. And he goes, only Rosie O'Donnell, <laughs> which uh, I thought was just the ultimate heel comedic line. Do you think Donald Trump, you know, he's already been in the wrestling ring. Do you think Donald Trump is like a political wrestling heel?
1: Could be, yeah. Um, yeah, hard to say. That's... I think I think sociopath is a hard one to map out.
0: <laughs> I see. All right. Well, Maynard, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to me about wrestling and your your new book, uh, Perfect Union of Contrary Things. It's out November eighth, and uh, I look forward to to seeing some more Pussifer and uh, hopefully uh, one of those other bands that you have. I hear there's a lot of uh, hype around some sort oh, yeah. of album but I don't know anything about it always <laughs> alright thank you so much thank you thank you very much Tomater, for taking the time to, to talk to me last week that was very cool of him and stick around we're going to have a lot of cool guests in the next few weeks some of these guests that I've lined up I, I don't want to spoil it because I'm always uh, I, I always feel like oh if I say it I'm going to jinx it and then the interview is going to fall through and I'm going to look like an idiot but I do have a bunch of cool Squared Circle Pit pro wrestling conversations, metal musicians in the next few weeks, and I'm really excited about it. And genuinely, I want to thank every one of you. I mean, there's only one of you listening at this very moment. Not to say there's only one person who listens to the show, just actively right now. You are in your headphones listening to me. And I want to thank you for doing that, for taking, for deciding that there's time in your life that you want to listen to me talk about pro wrestling. It's very cool. And thank you, as always, for supporting Squared Circle Pit, for supporting Metal Injection, the Metal Injection Livecast, of course, every week, my podcast where I don't just talk about wrestling. And uh, hopefully I'll see you in about two or three weeks with another episode of the Squared Circle Pit.